Karen. And I'm Lauren. And this is Downstage Left, a theater podcast where we talk a little, laugh a lot, and know nothing. Sure don't. Sure, I did it. <laughs> uh, Lauren, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Karen. Since five minutes ago. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's just keep the mystery. It's so mystery. Uh, no, I think we should. I don't think people need to. Listen, if you know, we, you know. And if you don't, don't worry about it. Um, we talked about it a lot. So, uh, here we go. Uh, today... What we're are we gonna doing, do, Karen? Yeah, we're going to do a deep dive into Ragtime. Ragtime. In our continued quest for Betsy Wolf Notice Us. Betsy Wolf, um, come at us. We're running out of you your shows. You can do it. We're not running. You have a ton of amazing shows, but, uh, we, you know, we've we got to move on. we got to keep things fresh and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, in our in our in in a bid for Betsy Wolf to notice us, and I will explain the connection uh, soon here, but we are going to do Ragtime. Ragtime. Yes. Yeah. Ragtime. Love this uh, listen, show. it's an awesome musical. Beautiful show. Uh, it's a beautiful show. It touches on 11 billion things, which we will get into here. But uh, it's a musical. Uh, the music was done by Stephen Flaherty and lyrics by Lynn Ahrens, who they are a little bit of a duo. And you will know them from such shows as Once on this Island, mm-hmm. Anastasia, Lucky Stiff, yeah. um, just just a ton of really Susical, a ton of really good stuff here um, where they are like a, a really good team. But also like think about all those like you and know, diverse. It, yeah, it's diverse. And like when you think about some composers, you're like, oh, yeah, this all sure. sounds Jason like Robert they Brown. have a style, you know, and yep. with them, like every one of those things you just mentioned is Ours, like beautiful. I wouldn't I, I would never have guessed, though, no. that they're written by the same people. So different, yep. but like all so good, but like so crazy different. So yep. like what a I mean, mad respect to the two of them. For, Absolutely. Like, being able uh, to do that nonsense. The book. Book is by Terrence McNally, and it's based on the 1975 novel by the same name by E. L. Doctorow. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, listen, uh, Ragtime running for a long time. Forever. Um, it opened in Toronto. It's been on Broadway, West End. It's had a couple revivals. Uh, they did a special Ellis Island concert, which I will talk about in a minute. Um, London, Nor Norway, uh, Australia. It just truly has been around. Um, and won the Tony for Best Book of a Musical and Best Original Score. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, nope, I opened the wrong tab, so Just hold, kidding. please, while I do some scrolling. <laughs> hold on. Sweet <laughs> So I've seen Ragtime a couple of times. Sure. Uh, I, my brother-in-law played Cole House. Uh, that's the character's name, right? Am I, did I just make that up? Yep. Yeah, he played Cool House uh, with the the company that I work with sometimes, and um, he's got fantastic voice. And then I saw it at uh, a local theater closer to where I grew up um, with with a lot of budget, and they did a really good job. Sure. Um, both beautiful. The storytelling is just fantastic. Uh, I'm ready to talk about it. I saw it in Toronto. Okay, weird flex, but okay. Sure, it was, <laughs> and it was awesome. Yeah. And then I saw a local high school do it, and shout out to this high school, who I'm not going to name because what I was, but uh, it was awesome. It was so, so good, and so it's one of those things where if you have the right people to do it and you can do it, it's it's a really interesting uh, and you'll see a smart musical in the way they weave everything together, Say which content. is maybe the like, yeah, yeah, which is maybe kind of the most interesting thing. So, yeah. all right, act one. Here we go. Three social casts in turn of the century New York introduce themselves to the audience. And and when we say turn of the century New York, uh, we are talking about like the early 20th century, so early 1900s. Yeah. In case very far guys, away. do you know how that works? 20th century means the... 1900s, yeah. Yeah, we're in the, what, 21st century. Here we are. Okay. 21st century. Um, 
Just a good thing to know. It, it'll help you in your life. This is. Sure. Uh, okay. History with cancer. Sure. Uh, all right. So, uh, and and here's the thing. This, the opener of the show oh. is like one of my most favorite things of all time. That's just so just in case you're wondering. That's so good. So we are introduced to three sort of different groups of people. Uh, the first is an upper class white family from New Rochelle. The little boy, that like his character, yeah, Edgar, his and his father, who runs a fireworks factory, mother, mother's younger brother, and grandfather. And they are never given names throughout the show. They are just simply, we kind of know them as that. Which I think is, like, incredibly smart in the way I do they too. have done that. I just, like, because, you know, white people at this point had so much power in the world. Like, they don't need any more power. They don't need names. It's yep. fine. Move on. I agree. It's um, great. We, and, and you get the sense of it. They are dressed like impeccably. They're all kind of in shades of white and yeah. like very, that kind of what I assume like that new Rochelle Hamptons y kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, they live a genteel life and enjoy a lack of racial and ethnic diversity. There they are. Uh, the second group that we are introduced to, and truly we are introduced kind of one by one to these different groups on stage and they kind of pivot and they're very um, segregated on stage. They're very yeah. segregated. Uh, when we saw it, I'm almost positive there was like maybe, rotating something mm. something happened no they maybe walked but anyway they, rotate themselves. they walked around yep. yeah so the second group we meet is black residents of harlem including a beautiful young woman named sarah who adores the pianist Colehouse walker jr the third are immigrants and they come out together with a group of like uh black people from harlem mm-hmm. the third group are immigrants from europe in the lower east side um and they are represented in that time too. Like everyone is dressed like that's the interesting thing I think too visually mm-hmm. um, is costume wise. Everyone has like a very distinct costuming in which you can kind of you lump, you can lump them together and you understand who goes with what group. Yeah, it's really um, uh, among them is oh how do we say his name Tate I think Ta- I think so too. I was like oh it's been a minute Tate uh, a Jewish artist from Latvia and his young daughter. These three worlds are connected by narration from luminaries J.P. Morgan, Henry Ford, Booker T. Washington, Emma Goldman, Harry Houdini, and Evelyn Nesbitt. And this is the prologue and it's called Ragtime. Mm. And it is done so well where they not only take these three factions of people, but they also put in these real life people who were extremely prominent at this time period. And they kind of help weave together some of these different things because there's some crossover and they'll play a bigger role later. There's also some musical themes that they introduce yeah. to to represent the factions mm-hmm. that I think is so smart in the songwriting. And they're repeated. And they yeah, they yep. come back so many times. Um and the way they have like captured the style of the time I yes. think is just so beautiful. Well, and what I love about it is you have sort of those three separate things and then in this song, which is like kind of the whole point, they come together as they mm-hmm. all sing ragtime. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. It's it's a very goosebumpy kind of opening. I like have goosebumps thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> like it's so good. Uh, okay, uh, we begin. Mother bids goodbye to father as he embarks on Robert Perry's expedition to the North Pole. This was like, that's like the most rich white person thing of all of time. Of course, yeah. I'm going to go explore because I can and I have no responsibility. See you, bye. Yeah. Um, he asks mother to oversee his affairs and assures her that nothing will change in his absence. But mother feels adrift without her husband to guide her. Goodbye, my love. And surely, as we know, in that time... The husbands were running things. They were like, in charge they, of all the stuff. They were in charge of everything. Women could not make choices. I think at this point, they also were like, you are my property woman. I don't uh, know. <laughs> pretty clo- I mean, pretty close to that where you kind of start to see it. And we, we do kind of see it in, like, the Emma Goldman character a little bit. And, like, even the Evelyn Nesbitt character. But 
um, women are like like trying to feel out their independence, but like still, the, still got to ask my husband permission on. for stuff. Correct. Yeah. Um, as Perry's ship departs, father watches as a rag ship arrives, carrying a hopeful Tate and his little girl to America, while mother, back on shore, wishes father safe passage, journey on. Meanwhile, mother's younger brother, an intense and awkward young man, yearning for purpose, who works at his father's fireworks factory, attends the vaudeville act of Evelyn Nesbitt, a young woman who became famous after her wealthy lover, Stanford White, was killed by her millionaire husband, Harry K. Thaw, crime of the century. I forgot to mention, when my brother-in-law played Cole House, my husband also played younger brother. Very fun. Yeah. Uh, Evelyn Nesbitt at some point in the timeline was played by Betsy Wolf. That's why this is a oh, Betsy Wolf show. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, We're and back. And for those of you who uh, know Betsy Wolf, a perfect part for That's her. That's a, I mean, what a fit. That's yep. amazing. I wish I had, like, some, like, bootleg footage sure. of that. That would be great. We uh, don't endorse bootlegs, but, like, if you it have it, send it. It exists. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, after the show ends, younger brother confesses his love to Evelyn. She kisses him, but only for the benefit of a press photographer and cheerfully rejects him afterward. Oh. Um... This is one Sorry, of those things brother. where sensationalism of crime was really starting to kind of hit its peak. Y'all, if you're familiar with Chicago, uh-huh, uh-huh. same kind of feel, right? Where um, these crimes of passion especially yeah. uh, were were huge, huge news and people were eating them up. Luckily, that's not the case now. We hate when things are sensationalized in the news and by media. So yeah. surely very different times. Just Indeed. kidding. Uh, back at home in New Rochelle, mother discovers a black newborn partly buried, partially buried alive in her garden. The police arrive with Sarah, the baby's mother. Pitying her, mother takes responsibility for Sarah and her child. Surprised at herself, she remarks that her husband would never allow her to make such a decision. What kind of woman? I do like this like character arc, like this journey for mother. Yes. Um, because it's like, yeah, listen, I'm not... Ain't nobody here to tell me what to do, so I'm making all kinds of decisions. Yep. Sorry about it. Well, and I like it that it's couched in a way where it you can tell she's faced with kind of the first time of having the autonomy to make a decision. Yeah. And and truly, like she is surprised where she's like, I just did this thing. Oh my goodness. My like instincts just took over. And it I'm is. And for it's people. and yeah. it's really maybe more so than potentially other people in the show, she has like maybe the biggest art. So much growth. The biggest yeah. like growth, yeah. Um, at Ellis Island, the immigrants arrive. Oh, I'm not going to pronounce the name of this song. I don't know I how don't to say wanna it. I don't want to butcher it, but listen to it. It's really uh, nice, though. Tade eagerly begins his new life, drawing silhouettes and selling them on the street. He and the little girl quickly descend into poverty. Oh. Uh, Emma Goldman attempts to get him to join the socialist movement, but he refuses. A wealthy man even offers to purchase the little girl, whom he now keeps on a leash for safety. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, this is obviously awful. Like this, it's and this a weird was time. Yeah, but let's be real. That's disgusting, That's and we understand scary. that. And a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, inspired by immigrant magician Harry Houdini, Tate resolves to begin again somewhere else. Success. We then cut to Harlem. Uh, Cole House, a popular pianist, informs his audience that he's finally found his lost love, Sarah, and is going to win her back. His name was Cole House slash Getting Ready Rag. He then purchases a Model T while Henry Ford and his workers glorify industry. Henry Ford. Can I tell you, too, like, for a community theater, the last time I saw this, they, like, put a straight-up, like, Model T on the stage. Amazing. And, like, as a community theater. No, that's pretty great. Yeah, it was huge, and we were all like, 
what? Like, it's sure, we bonkers. Put a, we put a golf cart on <laughs> no, stage once because we, we, didn't, we didn't have a car. Like, that's the crazy thing about it. And granted, I did mention that this theater it has, like, they are pretty, they have a lot of support. So, like, they have yep. a lot of money. But still, even then, we were like, holy shnikes, did they build that? I got sure. it. It was crazy. Uh, so we kind of back into it. This is where we start to see some of these characters cross, mm-hmm. uh, cross paths, where, again, this story is told so well because... They cross, they, they have these, but like very realistic path crossing, I think, yeah. where it's not shoehorned in. It's not like oh, they met and then they fell in love. I mean, it's just truly It's not like a witch has passing. given me a, some sure. assignment and now all my Well, no, but just like even contrived in real life stuff that doesn't have mysticism in it in which like, oh, we've, it, there's no meet cute moments. These yeah. are just like history and moments in time in which any of us would like bump into somebody in the street say hello and oh I'm, you know i'm sorry and move on and then how do they how do we see them again so well and i love that like to your point we we don't have a meet cute between cole house and sarah it's right. like he's like he's already this is established he's like i gotta get back i'm in coming there. back yeah. <laughs> which uh, i love so todd and the little girl leave for boston and route they meet mother and edgar while stopping in new rochelle they politely make conversation nothing like the city in the attic of mother's home sarah explains her desperate actions in a song to her baby your daddy's son hmm. Also en route to New Rochelle, Colehouse is harassed by a racist fire squad led by Chief Will Conklin, who taunt him for driving his own car. He arrives at Mother's house, where he has heard that a black woman is living. He is stunned to learn of the baby's existence, and, when Sarah refuses to see him, he resorts to returning weekly, the courtship. Ugh. I, sorry, can I just circle back to your daddy's mm-hmm. son for a minute? Because I think it might be one of my favorite oh, like ballads of all time. It's gorgeous. It's like so beautiful, and that's all. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I just uh, want to come back to that. Those, Please like, listen to it if you don't know it. Yeah, well, it's like one of those powerhouse songs where, like, usually the person playing Sarah, you're like, "This is, go girl, like yeah. here you go," uh, and then gets more stuff to Did sing later. So, Audra McDonald originate this. Role? I think so. We will talk about I've, that. I've listened to her sing it a lot yeah. of times, and every time I'm just uh, like, I don't think I, I don't know if she. We'll, we'll get to it. Um, she has played it. She has for sure, I believe. Played and it. she's yeah, yeah, so yeah. good. When I every time I want to listen to it, that's like her version is what I turn to. It's yep. So good. Anyway, sorry. Um, so he resorts to. He basically comes back every week and is like, "Hello, let me in. I want to see her." But <laughs> like in a, thank you. in a in a polite, polite and lovely way. Yeah. Uh, until mother invites him inside. Yeah. Grandfather asks Colehouse to play a minstrel song on the parlor piano. Which, guys, if you don't know what that is, it's horribly, horribly racist and demeaning and awful. Yeah. Um, we're not going to get into the history of minstrel, but it's not good. And um, there's a reason why it doesn't exist anymore and why there are not people doing it. And if you see people doing it, it's bad. Yeah. It's, it's just there's no both sides of anything. It's bad. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously so incensed, not incensed, but, you know, offended. Colehouse plays a ragtime song. Father returns home while Colehouse is playing and is stunned by the changes to his family's life, while mother and her younger brother are proud of her choices. Yeah. And it's you, a good scene. It's a good scene where father's not, like, around a ton in the show. No. He's kind of in and out, but it's a great moment to, like, kind of juxtapose, like, this is how it was and this is how it is, mm-hmm. and it's it gives us those moments. Um, well, and there's a little bit of comedy in it, too, yes. because he shows up with, like, a giant beard. And, like, sure, he's like, <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry, well, I expected different yeah. things happening here. Yeah. Um, eventually, Sarah comes down from the attic and reconciles with Colehouse, new music. Yeah, the yeah, two yeah. go on an idyllic picnic where, inspired by the words of Booker T. Washington, he dreams of a just future. Uh, I'm sorry. He dreams of a just future America that their son will grow up in. Wheels of a dream. Also. This is the other, <sighs> like, banger go get it my guy like 
Which is like, you'd think it would be act one closer, but it's like not even close. That's the thing with all this music. It's like, it's it's like like banger after banger. It's so good. And there are like weirdly no dips. Like it just keeps going. So, so, and like the pacing, like we're talking about a lot of plot points, but it moves. It does. It's pretty quick. Oh yeah. It's, well, that's why I said it's one of those things where in a similar way to almost into the woods where people's stories are entwined, but passing moments Mm -hmm. and, but they're passing moments that keep going. So, um, Moving on. Yeah. Taking refuge from a wintry night, younger brother enters a worker's hall. <clears throat> there, Emma Goldman speaks passionately about a textile mill strike in Lawrence, Massachusetts, where Tata and his daughter are among those targeted by federal troops and strike breakers. Younger brother imagines Goldman is speaking directly to him the night that Emma, I'm sorry, the night that Goldman spoke at Union Square. Um, Goldman is arrested, prompting a riot that mirrors the chaos in Lawrence, where Tete is beaten by a policeman while trying to flee. He and the little girl escape Lawrence on a train. He gives his daughter a flip book of moving silhouettes to calm her. The train conductor offers to buy the book, and Tete, hurriedly dubbing it a movie movie book, sells it for a dollar. There you go. He realizes that movie books may be a route out of poverty gliding. This is a very cool song too, and mm-hmm. like I said, you're you're starting to see sort of what I think this show does really well without exploiting anybody is you are seeing sort of the elitist white point of view, and even that is not all roses. No, you're seeing sort of the African American plate at the turn of the century, and you're seeing the immigrant. And yeah. I think what this show does really well without it being sort of a disservice to any of those groups is finding that commonality and mm-hmm. weaving that through the plot. Yeah. Well, and they all have things that they're like struggling, struggling internally and, to and yep. externally. Yep. And I think they do a good job of showing those things with the limited amount of time that is in at least the first act. So. Yep. Um, and then we get into some garbage stuff. Here so. we are. Uh, returning to New Rochelle, Colehouse and Sarah are stopped by Will Conklin. Remember the racist from earlier? Yes. And the fire squad. Conklin demands a fictitious toll. Colehouse refuses. A lecture by Booker T. Washington on patience and dignity ironically underscores the white fireman's destruction of Colehouse's new Model T, the trashing of the car. Um, And it is like an upsetting moment. Yeah, it's it's hard to to watch. Um, Is this the scene where he also says the N-word? I believe so. And like, I remember seeing that and yeah. being like, how yeah. do you as an actor, like yeah. volunteer to be like, yep, I'm going to be this and like, yeah. un- like separate it's yeah, it's hard. Uh, incensed Cole house vows, legal action, justice, postponing his marriage to Sarah until he gets justice. Mm-hmm. Sarah hears of a campaign rally nearby and goes to ask for help from the vice presidential candidate. As she approaches an onlooker shouts, she's got a gun. Yeah. And Sarah's beaten to death by the Secret Service. This is very tragic. I don't even know. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It is one of those situations in which I don't think this is so far away from happening now. I'm going to be honest. It has. Like, pretty recently. I, I just, it is so heartbreaking to see on stage and in a way where... It's hard to watch on stage where you know it's fictitious and you know that's like that person literally is still breathing as they're dead and you can see them on stage. Yeah. It is upsetting in a way where, like I said, I, I, I love these shows because they do show historic, you know, they're like little peeks into historic times. Yeah. But y'all, this was over a hundred years ago and I'm going to tell you it's still happening. It's still ha- well, and the thing, I mean, we talked about this before where like this is why live theater 
is so important because like you hear about this stuff in the news you see it portrayed in a film it's very different than seeing breathing people in front of you showing this happening to you and i feel like it affects you differently and that's what i think is so important about what we do sure as in, a, in a sad way in which we talked about it a little during Jekyll and Hyde, like when he kills her. Yeah. This is not a good this example because like Jekyll and Hyde, we know. But yeah. uh, no, but that idea of it's like it's uncomfortable because it's real people and you are in the room with them yeah. and you it's not a turn off. They're not small because they're on your TV. Yeah. It is it is a live thing that's happening. Yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, I'm speaking. It's yeah, it's sure. just so it's, much. I mean, and it's it's violent. Um, it's a woman. Which is hard for me yeah. also. Like, if it were a guy, it would be equally as bad. But, like, for some reason, she's just so helpless. And yeah. usually, like, I've seen Sarah played by a really small woman. And, yeah. like, that's really yeah, hard Yeah, I was going to say. I usually, yeah, it's, like, not, you know, she's, yeah, it's, uh, anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> we could go about, on about sure. it for a she, Yeah. At her funeral, black mourners demand an end to such injustice and pray for true equality. Mother, father, younger brother, Tata and Emma Goldman look on as Colehouse weeps at Sarah's grave till we reach that day that's how they end act one that is the end of act which is another again which is show honestly and oh what a note to end act one on to you know to push people into the intermission well they go into intermission and then they're like i gotta know what happens next you know yeah it is like truly uh, yeah okay uh the little boy wakes up screaming from a nightmare in which harry houdini attempts a daring escape after being locked in a dynamite laden box by will conklin Harry Houdini, master escapist. This dream proves prophetic. News arrives that a volunteer firehouse has been bombed. Colehouse has vowed to get justice on his own terms, Colehouse's soliloquy, and now terrorizes New Rochelle while demanding his car be restored to him and that Will Conklin be delivered to him. It's scary, but also, like, yeah. a little part of you is like, like agreed. You, you do your thing, man. Like, yeah. it, it is, it's like, the it, it, it balance is hard because you're like, listen, yeah. I, I, you should get these things that you want. Yep. But again, the realist in you is like, well, you're not going to get them. So that's where it's like scary. Uh, Booker T. Washington contemns Goldhouse's actions, Goldhouse demands. And it's like a cool scene. Like this is, I just remember it being like chaotic. Mm-hmm. And then this is like kind of juxtaposed where you have two men who, you know, not shouldn't be on the same side, but you have two men who are very, are two sides of the coin yeah and you have one saying we have to con- we we have to show them that we're not this we we have to be this and let's guys i'm gonna be honest again rages on in which there is an expectation and an acceptance from people in this country for people who conform to that sort of part of society in which i have talked about this uh in my private life in which one of the reasons why i think Asian people or potentially like people who have been adopted are accepted into mainstream society is because we assimilate. Mm -hmm. I, you know, for me, I don't have an accent. Mm -hmm. I dress as American as you can get. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's an assimilation there that just helps you be accepted because you don't stand out. And as a kid, uh, you know, I, I was lucky. I had an amazing group of friends that are still, you know, people I know today that, really insulated me from a lot of that because I had friends and I wasn't isolated in that way but you start to really work on stuff where you you close away parts of yourself that you don't want to make you different in any way because you already stand out in a way that you can do nothing about and that is the part that I think people forget and not forget but just don't acknowledge all the time about race is there's nothing 
there's nothing I can do about it. I, yeah. I can't look different. I can't change my face in that way. And so regardless of how I am as a person or I've been in this, I've been in this country for 40 years almost. Yeah. Like I've been in this country in a weird way. I've been an American longer than people who are younger than me. I mean, who, me. Sure. So, yeah. So in that way, but you would never know that by looking at me and there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. So it, it, that's the danger that comes with sort of, of being somebody in this country who's not white is you cannot do anything to hide that, to shield that. And you learn kind of from a young age in a self-preservation way to figure out when is a good time to be who you are and who you're not. And that I will say in a like old person way, the interesting thing I think about the generations that are coming up now is they have a much better sense of that, of they're like, I am who I am and this is what's up. And they have groups of people who accept them. Yeah. Um, unapologetic, is very like, unapologetic. Such a great and thing. I think, Yeah, in an amazing way, but still a danger. And like I said, when I was a kid, you you tried to figure out what's not going to make me stand out, what will make me stand out in a good way that will make people accept me because there's a thing that I can't do anything about. Um, Well, and I think here's the thing that's crazy is like white people experience this on such a less of a scale that they think that they know. Um, But because there is that one thing that that we don't have to worry about, it's I mean... I don't think we think about it all the time no. and we need to, um, white people, we got to think about that because it's, it's just different. And we, there's no way we can even begin well, to, it, it gets understand. down to the, it's a choice, right? So like you, if you're, you know, and again, and this is the side of it, which is you, you have the choice to express yourself in a certain way, but if you don't want to do that, you can, you know, wear something different. Yes. yes. You, you, you can blend in if you want, you yep. can do things that will make you not, stand out in that so yes in terms of a plate of well i too want to be who i am and i am restricted in that way but you have the choice to not be restricted and that that's the difference yeah um so yeah it's an interesting i the thing i love about this show is it's an interesting two sides of the coin Mm -hmm. where one person is like this is outrageous the only way they will listen is if we are violent and you have the other guy going no 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 we don't want them to think that about us stop doing that i want to say it's like mirrors a little bit like the the juxtaposition in the future of the store of history with um mlk jr and um Malcolm X, yep. right? Because yep. they were the same thing. Yep. So it's it's. I mean, like I said, and that's where you're like, sure, things aren't so different. It, it's a gen. It continues through generations. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, in the chaos, mother retains custody of Sarah and Colehouse's baby. Father blames her for bringing this turmoil into their lives, but younger brother lambasts him. Great use of lambast. What a great word um, in there for nice. his blindness and storms out of the house. Good for you, younger brother. Mother grows increasingly offended by her husband's ignorant outlook. And this is, I mean, this is the through line in which you see all this change and father is the one that doesn't. And and you need that, though. I mean, you truly, you need that through you need the line opposition. of yeah. the person going, this isn't how it was done. We've never been. What are you doing? I don't like it. Well, and I think um, he represents, like that group of people Agreed. like you know yep. he represents the white man like yep. <laughs> the white yeah. rich guy who is yep. like well why do we need to change everything is perfect yep. and you're like but 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 this is it's really bad like, sure. it's actually not perfect um father to to distract edgar from the unrest takes his son to a baseball game what a game Colehouse's campaign continues fire in the city and so father decides to move the family to atlantic city in atlantic city evelyn nesbitt's career is on the downslide and harry houdini has becoming Intrigue has 
become intrigued by the supernatural and the afterlife following the death of his mother. This was actually pretty well known. Uh, Harry Houdini was a, you know, got very into sort of the spiritual and Mm -hmm. seance and things like that. Um, Wasn't he have, like, a different name and, like, changed it so that, like... Oh, yeah. Because wasn't he, like, also, like, there was some prejudice against him, too. Yeah, he's an immigrant, for sure. And so that kind of... He, for sure, went down that path. Yeah. Uh, The little boy, Edgar, cryptically shouts, Warn the Duke to Houdini. Um sort of prophetizing uh world war one there it is yeah um mother continues uh nope sorry mother encounters teta again not recognizing him from their brief meeting months ago now a filmmaker he has reinvented himself as the baron ashkenazi uh and is directing a silent movie in atlantic city buffalo Buffalo Nickel Photoplay Incorporated. So, <laughs> I, love, I love the relationship between mother and Tati. I do too. It's so interesting well, to me. Well, so when you first, and this is a this is like one of the good visual things I think they really do. When you sort of first meet him, he is truly kind of like right off the boat. Mm. And he is in sort of like, not rags, but he's in like, you know, like peasant clothing. His beard is like crazy. You know, he, he kind of has that third world kind of feel, you know, what an immigrant coming to America with no money would have. And when she re-encounters him in Atlantic City, he he has, you know, like, I think a goatee. His facial yeah. hair is trimmed. He's in a nice suit. The little girl... He looks cleaner. Sure, the little girl, when she first met him, is in, like, rags and has, like, a rag on her head. And now she has ringlets and yeah. is in this beautiful dress and, you know, all this stuff and has, has you know... I feel like there's a doll. At least the production I saw, she originally has this doll that's I think like, you're right. like you know, hand sewn, and now she has like a beautiful whatever doll, expensive looking doll. Yeah, um, one of those creepy ones that you'd see in shops now. But yes, exactly. <laughs> um, Edgar and the little girl soon become fast friends, which I think is cute. I love it. Uh, prompting mother and Teta to become friends as well. Eventually, he reveals who he is, and they grow even closer and sing "Our Children." It's an adorable song. It's a um, lovely song. And I think it's fun. Like, that's one of those 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 strings that have been introduced that gets, we, you know, woven into what we see now where it's like, I did meet you. We did share that one moment mm-hmm. that day. And now look look at you. Look at you. Which look is, like, me. so realistic, though. Yep. Like, I feel like that happens all the time to people. Yep. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know each other. And we, I'm so glad your life is going well. We, I have had that where it's like later on we've become friends and then we've realized oh, you did that show? I I was in Worked that show. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that is. And that's, I mean, I, I think that's fun. Um, yeah. Back in Harlem. Younger brother seeks out Colehouse, but is repeatedly turned away until Colehouse is convinced that he can be trusted. Colehouse has banished music from his life, but watches a carefree young couple, Harlem Nightclub, and recalls meeting Sarah. Sarah Brown. Oh another freaking banger. That song is so beautiful. Sure. Uh, younger brother meets with him, but is uh, inarticulate and nervous. His profound thoughts, narrated to the audience by Emma Goldman, stand in contrast to the only phrase he can muster. I know how to blow things up. It's so it's funny. It's very, very funny. Uh, he wanted to say. I, lo- I love this song because it's sure. just like, the, it's a, like well-needed comic relief. It is. Oh, because the, the second act of this show is heavy. It's heavy. Um, with, Sure. With younger brother's help, Colehouse and his men take over J.P. Morgan's magnificent library in the heart of New York City, threatening to blow it up. Father is summoned to help reason with Colehouse. Before he goes, he assures mother that everything will soon return to the way it was, but mother knows such hopes are naive. Back to before. And this yeah. is a beautiful song between them two. Yeah. Um, because truly, I think, and at least like I said, the productions I saw, it's very obvious they both know that it's not going to happen, but you have one person kind of accepting that reality and the other one desperately clinging like to it. Like hanging on to yep. it, yeah. 
Uh, meeting with the police, father devises a mediation strategy involving Booker T. Washington, whom Kohlhaus allows to enter the library. Washington, invoking the violent legacy Kohlhaus uh, is leaving his son, works out a deal with Kohlhaus. Um, oh. Sure. Th- and that appeal, I think, is probably smart. And it's, you know, it's kind of heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Um, Younger brother is enraged at Kohlhaus's abandonment of their cause. Look what you've done. Washington leaves and father enters the library as a hostage. There, he finally realizes the profundity of society's troubles while seeing Kohlhaus convince younger brother and his men that violence cannot solve injustice. Um, this is... Sure. Kohlhaus exhorts, exhorts them to fire through the power of their words, make them hear you, which is another freaking song. It's of, so beautiful. It's amazing. But here's the thing, and this is the scary part of, and let's be real, we maybe are seeing some effects of this right now. Yeah. When you have someone whip people into a frenzy, you cannot unwhip them. It's very hard. Yeah. Because people, let's be real, aren't whipped up into the frenzy for your cause. They're whipped up into the frenzy because they want to do these terrible things. They don't give two shits about what you're doing. They want to blow that building up. They want to incite violence. It does not matter to them what the cause is. And so when that happens, it's a dangerous thing. Now, like I said, in this show, he sings a beautiful song and they kind of go, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's just it's something to think about where it's that snowball. Once the snowball gets going, you can't stop it. You got to get out of its way. And, you know, like I said, maybe we see that today. Um, We sure do. Kohlhaus's sacrifice and oratory convince younger brother and the men to leave while father tells Kohlhaus about his son. Kohlhaus thanks father for his kindness. Once he leaves the library, Kohlhaus is shot dead by the police. Which is like... This is another ugh. awful freaking thing. It is, because you you don't... It it catches you off guard. It does, because they, they promised it out. that it's going to be okay. And I've seen it done where they kind of allude to the tragedy that, that's about to happen before it happens. Yep. Um, and this one, I mean, in the production that I have seen most recently, it happens off stage. Okay. Um, which is like a really interesting thing and it still hits almost yeah. the same way as Sarah's death. Yep. Um, even though, even though that you don't see it happening, like it's, if anything, uh, it's worse. Cause you really are like, Oh, it's yeah, done. Oh, it's, Oh, yeah. good. They resolved it. Um, well, and it's it's almost like in a horror film, right? Where, like, yeah. it's not as scary once you actually see the monster. Yeah. It's scarier to not see it. Yeah. And I think that this is the same kind of thing where because you don't see it, it is so it impacts you a very different way. Agree. Oh, um, it's tough. All right. Here we go. We're getting into the end. This is the, this is the sure. last paragraph. <laughs> uh, well, no, and just we're getting into the end in a way where the show has to come full circle in that way. And so, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll kind of, you know. Uh, Edgar appears to introduce the epilogue. Younger brother departs, well, in a very similar way to the prologue mm-hmm. in which everyone is introduced. It kind of, the epilogue wraps it up. Yeah, yeah. Edgar appears to introduce the epilogue. Younger brother departs for Mexico to fight for Emiliano Zapata. Emma Goldman is arrested and deported. Booker T. Washington establishes the Tuske- uh, Tus- Tuske- Tus- Tuskegee, sorry, Tuskegee <laughs> Institute. I know the one. I'm like, listen, look up the Tuskegee Institute. Look up the Tuskegee Airmen. It, all things in there it's not it's not good um booker t washington that was obviously not his plan um while evelyn nesbitt fades into obscurity harry houdini realizes upon the assassination of archduke franz ferdinand that edgar's shout of warn the duke was a true mystical experience 
Uh, father dies aboard the RMS Lusitania. After a year of mourning, Mother marries Tatia, Love adopts Colehouse and Sarah's son, and moves to California. See you later, everybody. all liberal people go, I guess. Oh. And she could live with this immigrant, his daughter, her son, and a black baby. That they have adopted. Yeah. Sure. Um... Tatya is struck by an idea for a film series centering on the diverse group of children banding together. The yeah. ghost of Colehouse and Sarah watch their son grow up. Epilogue, ragtime, wheels of a dream reprise. Yeah, and that's how you end a show, you guys. Holy oh, cow. Oh, my friends. <sighs> uh, and also, it's alluded to uh, his idea for these children that band together is alluded to be the Little Rascals. Oh, that's cute. I don't know if I picked up on that. Sure. That's adorable. Uh, listen. And it ends in a way where you see sort of all these groups kind of come back out. Mm-hmm. And it is like, it's one of those shows that does gut punch you where you're like, so uh, when we went and saw it, even at the, this high school production, I went with a friend bawling the entire oh, second half. Yeah. Because it is such an emotional gut punch where you, some happy, some not happy endings. And, and that's yep. the reality of it is, yeah. is it didn't work out for everybody. It, you know, and well, and yeah. I think that the underlying theme too is something that is like literally still happening. Is like it worked out for some people, but the black community got it the hardest. And oh, yeah. I, and like it's and still happening. And you see the two characters that kind of represented them mm-hmm. dead. They both die yep. too early, and now leave behind an orphan, right? Who is well yep. taken care of? But um, yeah, it's it's still happening right now. Yep. Uh, and that's the thing that really sucks about it. But I mean, I think that be, the smart part about this show is that. All of the characters represent something. Yep. Um, and I even think father's death has like a, a meaning that is a little bit deeper, you know, in that like, here's what should be happening. Well, the death of these ideas. Well, and <laughs> yeah, where he literally gets on a ship, sails away and dies. Yep. Um, so some some notable people in the original cast, uh, Maren Mazzie originated the mother. I think it's probably one of her better, her like best known roles. Yeah. Um, uh, Peter Friedman was Tetya. Leah Michelle was the little girl. Was the little girl. Uh, yeah. uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell was Colehouse Walker oh, Jr. Oh my God. And Audra McDonald, you were correct, uh, originated Sarah on Broadway. The two of them. They're so good together. Yeah. I and love that's. Them. Listen, look at the original Broadway recording. They're so good, dude. So like, good. Um, just. And, like, we know them now for many, many other things, but, like, truly, I think for them also really some roles that are really well known for. I mean, Audrey McDonald's mm-hmm. been a million things, Brian's been a million things. They did Porgy at Best together too, right? Yep. Yeah. So it's like they're, them so together bad. is just really, it's it's pretty awesome. Power couple. Yep. Um, And then, you know, like some other peeps in there. Uh, as I said, uh, Evelyn Nesbitt uh, eventually, or pre, uh, at the uh, Playhouse, Paper Mill Playhouse, I believe, was uh, Betsy Wolf. Um mm-hmm. So never played it on Broadway, but um, I'm trying to look at just real quickly uh, some other notables. Like I said, it's I don't been... recognize like a lot of these. Sure, names, me but... either. In which I was like, mm-hmm. um... Lynette Perry originated Le- Evelyn Nesbitt. I don't know who that is, but sure. I'm sure she's great. Uh, it's just like I said, go and oh, this show is so good, and it it just is worth. It's worth a listen. It's worth like just taking some time, have a moment. Um... Sure. Now I am just r- reading random things. Um, <laughs> sure. Norm Lewis played it in the Avery Fisher Hall. Um, That's another voice that I could listen oh, to. Oh, and Leah Hall. Salonga played Mother. Really? That's interesting. Sure. In concert, you can maybe get away with a little bit more. I was going to say, she is not, not a woman. <laughs> sure. In which I, we both were like, 
What yeah. a thing. Sure. Uh, we both just had a moment where we were like doing some. We made some, eye contact. Sure. We were doing what? some, we were doing some math. Um, <laughs> some math and also some like visualization. Sure. Um, you, I guess, I don't know. In the Minskoff Theater 2020, Kelly O'Hara played Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Stokes Mitchell and Audrey McDonald came back to reprise their roles. Yes. Um, and as, as did Peter Friedman. Um, this show won two Tony. I'm sorry, a few Tonys. Yeah. JK. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. Uh, it won the Tony for Best Book of a Musical, Best Original Score. Audrey McDonald won the Tony yes, for she Best did. Performance by a Featured Actress in a Musical. It also won Best Orchestrations. Uh, and it was literally nominated for a crap ton of like stuff. Everything. Best musical, best performance by a leading actor. I kind of can't believe he didn't win. Me too. Uh, leading actress for Marion Mazzi. Uh, direction, choreography, scenic design, costume design, lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything. it just, um, yeah. It And it won the Drama Desk Award for best musical, best book, orchestrations, <laughs> lyrics, music. I mean, yeah. it is. it truly is one of those shows that just... Of course it won. Like, honestly, of course it won all those things. Yeah. I am not surprised by that at all. It was also nominated for a bunch of stuff when it was revived in 2010. Yep. Yep. Didn't win anything, but it was nominated nope. for Best Revival, Best at Leading Actress, Christiane Knoll. Yep. Sounds like she was mother, probably. Yep, yeah, she was. That's cool. Um, featured actor, direction, scenic design, etc. So. Uh, it ran on cool. Broadway, opened to previews in December of 97, officially opening January 1998. Uh, it was the first production in the Ford Center for Performing Arts, um, and it closed January sixteenth, two thousand. So it had about a two year, a two-ish year run, um, and eight hundred and thirty-four performances. Wow! So it definitely went on. Um, interesting. The first production had mixed reviews, um, except for a dazzling physical production, ten million dollar budget. Including fireworks and a working Model T. Oh my God! Okay, so here's my question. Now, I when you look this up on like MTI, I think is where it is right yep. now. There's like three different versions of it, and okay. I wonder what the difference is because I haven't read any of the perusal copies. Sure, but I wonder what the difference is between. Uh, do you think that they're just like updating the music? Are they um, updating the dialogue? My guess would be um, probably a little bit of both: updating music, updating dialogue, and then potentially because there have been like i'm sure the revival it had different things from like the 90s version yeah. the 2009 had the revival and then there it's been in concert so many times i'm assuming one of those is potentially like a concert version i think it might be um and i wonder too like how many people because the n-word is dropped in the first act yeah i wonder how many people can't get past that and don't stay for the second act now, because it's such a cliffhanger, sure. and because it's so there's, I mean, there's so many things that need well, to be resolved. Maybe I don't you know. Don't, but... Here's the thing, though. I don't know if it's that people can't get past it because I do think the show does it in a way where it's very much the bad guy saying, "Oh, for like, sure." Like it's not being used in a casual way. No, but it's like, okay, I, you know, like, okay, I, I just, you know, yeah. I here's the thing. This is one of those shows we we talk a lot about. There's there's a a bunch, you know, Broadway is filled with shows that are trying to touch upon societal and social things that have happened in the past and historically. And I think this show is one of the ones that does it best. And that's that's not to say it's not problematic and there aren't things in it, Mm -hmm. but it does such a good job of, man, again, in the way that kind of falsettos does too, uh, weaving that part in without it just beating you over the head. Yeah. Like, it's not like, look at us, look at us, race, 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 discrimination. 
it's done where the storytelling, where it's 100% part of the storytelling, but because it has such, I think, good characters, you get swept up in that, and then it makes you care about the things that they're dealing with because you're like, oh my god. Yeah. And that part of it, I think, is done so well. And the music, like I said, the music is so gosh dang good. Yeah. Um, It is... And not, so here's the thing. We talk a lot, we've talked a lot about like, I like a great opener. I like a great, and sometimes that means like, man, I want one that's like, woo, woo, crazy, crazy. <laughs> this show has those openers, but in such a different way in which the first act opener, first act closer, et cetera, et cetera, are all emotional, like tied together. Yeah. Where the prologue and the epilogue to me still hit you because it sets everything up. And by the time you get to the epilogue, it's tying all those things up, yeah. but in such an interesting way. And you, you've you gone on such a journey yeah. in the middle that you're like, damn. Holy cow. Well, and the other thing about the music, too, is like, not only is there like first act opener, first act closer, second act opener, second act closer. There's also like a midway point where you're like, this also yeah. could be the closer or sure. opener of well, an act, but it's not. We're just in the middle of act one. I think, I think that's one of the reasons why this show is like maybe a little more gut-wrenching than other ones because it like... It, it, like a lot of shows you hit the kind of climax you, you potentially don't hit it until the end of the first act and mm-hmm. then it re- kind of it either resolves itself in the second act or a lot of times you hit that climax point and it's like 10 years later or whatever or like phantom kind of yeah. does that right where the first act ends cray cray and then it's like a month has gone by mm-hmm. um and i think and then you kind of hit that 11 o'clock number in the second act and right. that's the well, that's, that's a- the emotional journey this yeah. one, it's like, ah, like you're just it's on all it over the, the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like it doesn't follow. That was the thing I was thinking. It doesn't really follow the formula, yes. which I love. Yeah. Like break the formula. That's great. Sarah dies in the first act. It's. I mean, that's wild. To and me. obviously, she's the catalyst for the violence that Cole House is yeah. doing in the second, and how we get to the second act. But like, that is a character that you are like. Well, I'm invested in her. You're she's so had a baby. Invested. Oh my yeah. god, she's friends with mother. I love it. And then you're like, oh my oh, god, she's... that's all it done. And, well, and it takes it to where. You kind of, it tricks you, because that is the musical theater formula, right? It tricks you into the happy ending where you're like, oh my God, he found her. He like banged on the door for months until she let her see him. They went on this beautiful picnic. They have this sun together. They're going to be together. That's their happy ending. And then it ends in such a tragic and like real to the times way that you're just like, wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what? Well, and I wondered, I mean, I feel like your daddy's son, your father's son, your daddy's son. Um, should it is written like an eleven o'clock number? Yes, and I well, feel and like that theory, should foreshadow it's hers because she dies. Yeah. Well, and that should yeah. foreshadow her death at the end yeah. of the act because yeah. because you know yeah. she's not going to make it to the second act. Sure, she sang her. Sure, she sang her get it out. song, and they're like, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I think like I said, I just this show to me is such a good show, and um, if you have a chance to see it, like honestly, anywhere. Go see it because I would say most people, like community theater, high school, whatever, are not taking this show on unless they like have the means to do it, both yeah. cast and prop wise. So, uh, you know, and set wise. Yeah. Um. So you know, like, um, you know, I just it's it's and if you can't go see it, I mean, look for a bootleg. I'm sure it exists. I'm sure. Um, but if you can't go see it, like genuinely, put the soundtrack on, pop it on on Spotify, where you can also find Downstage Love Podcast. Um, and nice. uh, thank you. Can we find Ragtime on Spotify? Sure. Um, is the next question. No, 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 it's there. Okay. Um, but you know, go on there and look for and listen to it. It's just, um, I think 
like, okay, I'll be real. Sometimes there's shows where I am like, I couldn't tell you any of the lyrics, but I think the songs are cool. Mm-hmm. This is one of those shows, sit down, put some headphones on, listen to the lyrics, because it tells the story mm-hmm. in such a good way that it will take you through it, and the lyrics are important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they are. Not that they're not important in, like, other songs, but, like... No, mm. but uh, it's a different level yeah. of importance in this particular story, yeah. so... Well, and because you don't... Like, other songs... Like, other shows that are obviously lighter fare, you're like, oh, they're singing a fun song and they're dancing and I like it. What a time. This one, it's like, oh, the music is telling what's happening and I need to pay attention and I need to know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, th- that's kind of how I feel about that. Um, listen, it- it's a dope show and I was lucky enough to see it in Toronto, which was kind of its first home and um, it was so, so good there. And, yeah. Thanks, Canadian people to the north um Canadian actors we love you sure um so lauren uh i'm gonna say uh on a scale of a short ragtime piano playing ragtime and a, a longer piece ragtime like a piano solo like a piano solo like right. really getting into it so we'll say on a scale of one piano solo to uh Six and a half piano solos. Sure, this is and not that's, where I thought you were going. <laughs> sure, and that's where um, he's like you're really going ham, and you've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, what what would you give it? I I mean I'd stick with a full. I'd sit for that whole six and a half minute piano solo. I think it's great. I just think it's smart in the way the storytelling is is um, not only creates characters that have depth and um, importance. They also are representative of something bigger than themselves. And I just think that alone in coupling with the music that is so gorgeous, it's like, yeah, I'm all in on this show. Uh, I'm, I'm with you and I give it the six and a half as well. I think, um, and it's funny because, uh, I don't know I'm sure it's similar for you, but like, I grew up listening to this soundtrack, like the Broadway original Broadway soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So whenever I think of those songs, I think of like Audrey McDonald singing them. And it's like, surely other people have done it and they've done a really good job. But like when my mind goes to that, I think of Brian Stokes Mitchell yeah. singing Wheels of a Dream. Yep. And I can, I can even picture like him like doing it uh, because he had saying, I'm sure now saying that song a billion times in a billion <laughs> like different places. He sings it in his sleep. Sure. But, you. um, you know what I mean? So like, I, I encourage people to go listen to that because it's one of those original like OB, you know, OBC cast or soundtracks that just is so good. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I think I think we did it. Uh, um, Follow us on our socials. Sure, we're on Downstage Left PC on all the socials. Uh, we are. You can find us at our website, downstageleftpodcast.com. dot mm-hmm. If you have a longer form thing, you just want to reach out to us and send us an email. And you've seen Ragtime, you've been in it, you didn't like it, you liked it. You can always send us an email at downstageleftpc at gmail dot com or hit us up on our contact page on the website. Yeah. Um, all our socials are on there too. There's like there's bios. Learn about us. Um, we do. We have bios up there. There's pictures, pictures if you ever wondered what we look like. Uh, you don't know us in real life and would sure. like to. Yeah. Uh, I think. Listen, I think we did it. We this was like a random. We've maybe had a couple happy ones in a row, but they are. Sorry um, about that. But well, I, I'm, not, listen, I'm not sorry about it. I no. think they're good conversations to they have, are. and I'm oh, glad we're having them. Important um, conversations for sure. Sure. I'm going to say, um, I think we did it, and we can, let's say, exit stage left, uh, pursued by a firework. I was going to say Model, Model T. T. Yeah. Sure. Both. Uh, pursued sure. by a firework and a Model T. 